I am the Reverend David Marshall. Welcome to A Bridge Between. It's a bridge where we bridge our knowledge of the gospel. We bridge because we live in two different areas. And Alex, what else do we do? Uh, we marvel at that you've been practicing that in the mirror for hours. Oh my gosh, I have. Yeah, this is my <laughs> this is my practice to be Alex. Can you please introduce yourself, sir, Reverend Sir? I am Father Alexander Hart, and I am uh, also on a bridge between here with Dave Marshall. And I think today we're bridging conversations about authority, which I think are going to get very interesting because we're going to disagree on a few things. Oh, a few. We there's nothing we have yet to agree on. Exactly. Um, so. And, and folks, the way this worked is that uh, I had suggested um, just hit record because we didn't think we were actually going to talk about this. We probably didn't want to record it. And that usually mm -hmm. means it's a good idea to do it. So uh, the, what we're going to do today is the scripture is um, for this coming Sunday, the 28th, and we're not going to read you any of it. We're just simply going to because we're going to talk about all the scripture and how it ties in together. And uh Alex, what do you think ties the scripture in together? Well, I think something that we were talking about ahead of time or, or before the we pressed record, which is the concept of authority. And, and just briefly, I just want to point out, go ahead, sorry. Concept of authority? The idea, the concept, the reality of authority, where authority comes from. Ah, there we go. Good. Perfect. You know, um, and, and just briefly, just to show um, for those who are watching and those who are listening, um, this is the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany that we're talking about. And so we are talking about the Deuteronomy reading, the uh, Corinthians reading, the reading from the Gospel of Mark, and Psalm 111. So we're not going to summarize everything. We will give you a couple of highlights along the way from each story. But the thread through all of it is authority. Authority. Very good. Uh, the other thing we bridge between is that Alex and I are both dads. Yep. Which means we have no authority at home. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, okay, well, I mean, I'm not. We, 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 have, we, we have authority to say, no, you can't go there today. Or did you do your homework is the oh. question. That's, that's where my authority has been the last few days. Right. Right. I heard a joke and I forgot what it was, but the punchline is, um, well, thanks, Dad. We'll appeal this to a higher authority, meaning mom. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. But well, there's there's definitely some veto power. There's definitely some veto power involved. Yeah. Um, but uh, to kind of get into the the topic, and like I said, I really want to get into some of these readings. You know, we have Moses, who has been this prophetic voice and this prophetic authority um, for the Israelites, but he is not always going to be there. Right. Right. Eventually, Moses will go away and somebody else will come along and he foreshadows that there will be another prophet that they shall heed. And that um, this is what's been requested um, by them from from the Lord and that they need to heed his voice. And so and for me, they request it. Um, why did they request it? Because God spoke to them directly from the mountain and they started screaming and they covered their ears and they're like, please don't do that again. No. And they sent Moses up the hill to go talk to him. Um, and that's where that yeah. quote comes in almost in the middle of the quote of, uh, quote, if I hear the voice of the Lord, my God, anymore or ever again, see this great fire, I will die. This whole sense of like, no, 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 no. We need an in-between. We need a mediator. We need somebody who can do that. Right. And uh, And so the Lord... Uh, you know, raised up Moses, and now they're raising up the rest. 
Can I talk briefly about Deuteronomy, though? Yes, go ahead, please. Um, the the So when I start doing this in my... So for those listening on, um, on iTunes or whatever, I, uh, I'm doing something my wife hates, and that's where I talk and I turn like this in my chair. Uh, and I do that when I get excited. So I'm going to stop. I'm just going to calm down for a moment. Uh, starting Deuteronomy 6 and then running through, I don't know my notes, probably through, well, it's past 20. Um, what Moses is doing in Deuteronomy, it starts with uh, commandment number one and talks uh, at length about how commandment number one works within their community. Then he goes to commandment number two and then commandment number three. And so when we get to Deuteronomy, the halfway through Deuteronomy, he has gotten to commandment number five, which uh, for those that are, are driving around, uh, and if you want to shout out what that commandment is, go for it now. But in the meantime, I will tell you, it is honor your father and honor your mother. Mother, right. And in that, um, in that middle um, commandment is where <clears throat> we get this thing about authority uh, from Moses, from God, and that you will have others coming along. Uh, and I just, I, I think it's cool to, because a lot of folks that I talk to about the Ten Commandments get hung up on honor your father and mother because mm -hmm. some of them have had uh, mothers yeah. and fathers that um, acted without honor. And so Correct. this, it, so if you look at that as what Moses is saying is that there's one word and it's authority. Um, so honor those with authority. Right. And I think the question becomes, what does it mean to honor someone yeah. what does it mean to respect their authority that the authority they have over you yeah. and and how does that work in a world where as you say people are not always honorable there are people who've had experiences with uh, mothers or fathers or caregivers that have been not only negative but abusive right. um, so what does it mean then to to honor that honor them right right um, which is not the topic for today but that is something we probably will get mm -hmm. to at some mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Um, so we have this authority. Um, and then do you want to talk about authority in the first Corinthians reading? The, the interesting thing about the authority in the, in the first Corinthians reading is it's talking about food sacrifice to idols. Mm -hmm. And this problem that I know that you'll probably be able to express a lot more than a lot better than I can, because you're the Greek scholar versus myself, um, is this, this notion of if a food is sacrificed to an idol, you know, I really shouldn't eat it. But what about the the people in the community who don't believe in that anymore? And they go to somebody's house and it's there and you know it's been sacrificed to an idol. And these were real pastoral concerns. Yes. You know, for, for people of that of that time period. And where do you think authority is falling into here? Like, what is Paul talking about where, authority? Yeah, I mean, what, where do you think that authority is is manifesting itself in this passage? Well, first, um, I'm one of those folks that believes um, the church in Corinth wrote at least one letter to Paul saying, can you clarify some things for me uh, mm -hmm. or for us? Uh, and because the way that this whole paragraph begins, it is as if there is a, um, a, a conversation going on. And towards the end of this particular letter, he's like, okay, now concerning food, sacrifice to idols, right. uh, to show that they have already questioned that. Um, but this was a, uh, a relatively inexpensive or free, as some might say, um, access for protein for people of, the, of that day. 
that you would go to a particular temple where some mm -hmm. uh, wealthy person had donated some food and had sacrificed mm -hmm. it. Uh, and then it's um, kind of a, like on a cruise ship, it's a buffet. You just walk up and you can start eating. And the, the question that Paul raised is um, the, the authority on that. You know, there is no such thing. There are no false, false idols. There's only one God. And so if you sacrifice to something that's not real, it's not a real sacrifice. So right. feel free to eat, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, but what does matter is if somebody sees you doing it and there is a new convert who is beginning in their faith and they see you eating it and they think that you also believe in that pagan God and you're following Jesus and that will cause them to stumble. And so Paul writes famously at the end of this mm -hmm. that um, if food is a cause of someone's falling, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. Uh, this whole, uh, I'm going to abstain from the whole thing um, just so I don't cause somebody to fall. And this is where we get humility and authority that Paul's like, you know, you've got the authority, you can eat it. It doesn't matter. Um, but in humility, let me give up all of that so as to not to cause somebody to fall. I, I think there's one more element here. And, and you began to talk a little bit about it when you mentioned the new believer. And I think that there's authority there's humility. There's also responsibility. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. You know, right. If, if I know that there's somebody near me who is just starting in the faith and they have some questions and they're not sure about certain things, you know, I, I have a responsibility to be sharing knowledge, to be sharing experience, and to being careful what I do and how I do it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of spiritual misunderstandings um, that can happen. And I think what, when Paul says, you know, I won't even eat meat. Well, you know, first of all, clearly he wasn't speaking to the church in South Carolina, where my friend is. Um, you know, he he's speaking to to people to say, if this is a stumbling block, the most important thing is Jesus, and let's get rid of the stumbling block. Right. You know, and and he himself is saying that the authority here isn't me; the authority is the fact that it's Christ. Right. Yes. Good. Um, and, and then finally. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, after you. I said, and finally, we have the gospel. That we do. So I've got a trivia question for you. Okay. In Mark, what is the uh, the first time Jesus is identified as the Holy One of God? By the an evil spirit. Right. <laughs> yes. Because even the demons, plural. even the demons must confess that yes. Jesus is Lord. Yes. And and that's that's what that blew me away by the way when somebody began to explain that to me that the demons know who Jesus is. Oh, yeah. They just won't submit to him. Right. I mean in the sense of they will not call him they will not submit to him as lord uh, of of all and follow him, but they sometimes have a step ahead of us and that they actually acknowledge who Jesus really is. Well, yeah. Um, so he has authority over uh, spirits. Mm -hmm. So they they know exactly who he is. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's it's interesting as everyone else is learning. Um, the the other part I want to highlight is that um, Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and the mm -hmm. Sabbath came. He entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one as having authority. Authority. And not just as a scribe. 
So not somebody who is a literate person who can pull out the school and read it yep. um, or ask questions or suggest a dialogue around this, that yeah. he was telling them with authority what it is. Uh, and, that, and I love that because it's a big difference between you and I getting up and preaching about a piece of scripture and Jesus kind of looking at us and saying like, yeah, I remember when I wrote that and inspired it into somebody. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So for those that have that uh, particular Christology, then yes, that that's exactly well, what the, he, ins he inspired. I mean, he knows all the, you know what I'm saying? I, well, you're talking my Christology. So yes, I, I, I yeah, do okay. know. And that's what I believe. <laughs> So let, let's take this kind of um, to the next step in the part of our conversation, which is um, we, we recognize that authority is, is prevalent um, as a theme within these readings. Yes. When we get up and, and preach about this, there's a sense of we have authority to be standing up there right. to be preaching about this. But you and I also, uh, in, a, in a dichotomy here, we have authority, but we also submit to authority We're as well. Authority. Right. We are under authority. Yes. <laughs> that was supposed to be kind of a thing where you kind of pick it up, but I'll, I'll keep going. I, well, see, that's the thing is that I'm a fish and I saw the lure and I'm just like swimming. <laughs> so the lure, the, 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 the worm in, in which I will say is... Um, let's take a moment and talk about what it means to have authority as priests oh, in right. the life of a parish, in right. a life of worship, in the life of preparing elements and materials for, for, for worship and then getting up and, and, and preaching and caring for people. Yes. Um, it's easy it's, it's, for us, if we're not careful, to abuse our authority. It's also easy to um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, to not use it. Correct. Correct. So uh, there, there has to be some sort of balance in between there. And by the way, I don't get to see the look of disappointment on your face very often. And as a fish just swam by the lure, I got to see it. And that just makes me happy. But, so, uh, so here's the central question that you and I were wrestling with, which is um, I'm one of those individuals that uh, it was just ingrained in me even before I went to seminary, even before I really began formation. To, to stick to the lectionary, to really keep tight um, to it. And that if that's what it was on Sunday for that reading, I got to live with it, you know, uh, unless right. there's an alternate that is provided, for example, a feast of a saint or a special day or something, right. but to stick to it. And um, while we can add in terms of add verses to a, a particular piece of scripture, um, usually we know we're not asked to take away or to cut a piece of scripture um, because of that. So that's kind of my approach. Yes. And what do you think about the Jewish uh, philosophy of that? If you add, sometimes you take away. Uh, well, sometimes, yeah, you can, you can kind of go can. down and right. add a new theme from what yes. you were trying to, to talk about. Yes. Um, now, for those that have seen um, Harry Potter, you'll know that there's the sorting hat and that people are divided into uh, different houses. Um, so Alex and I, uh, in seminary went to two different houses, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. you were one that was in Tennessee and I was one in California. Um, there are 
there are things that hold it's both Episcopal tradition. These are both Episcopal seminaries. Uh, they're mm-hmm. actually graduate schools and we get a master's of divinity. Um, mm-hmm. But we are raised with different types of, um, I, I don't want to say traditions. Um, so you went to Swanee, right? Yes. And so th- there might be some different values around this is, is what I, I'm I saying. I don't know if it's values. Um, or just I think the interpretation is the same. Interpretations. I, I, yeah, I, I, um, I think it is uh, viewing what the 21st century is going to hold for the church. All right, um, perfect. I can go with that. And so uh, my seminary tradition was, um, so we have the Book of Common Prayer. I'm not going to hold it up. You guys know what it looks like. Uh, so we went through the four forms that are there, A, B, C, D. Uh, we also talked about Form 1, Form 2, and they taught us how to write our own Eucharistic prayers. And they taught us how these things were formed, and then we started writing them ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Did you do that at Swanee? No, we did not. <laughs> See? And folks, I think that's it. Um, I think that that's where we start to see things differently. Um, right. So I took an advanced preaching class um, from the Presbyterian School for Theology. Uh, and so the the preaching methods, and then I, I took a different symposium thing um, from one of the best Methodist teachers that's out there, uh, homiletic, uh, sorry, seminary, semin, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to slow down here for sermonizing, which we call homiletical mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. And so grabbing from those various traditions um, that have a more flexible view that, which, by the way, are still on the Revised Common Lectionary, as is the Episcopal Church. Right. Um, that uh, putting all that stuff together. So what I did, like this past Sunday, is um, I I went full on into into the Jonah reading. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I preached about the um, allegorical side of the story of Jonah. Um, and and that can't happen if we use just the small piece that the lectionary had. Uh, put in place. I'm going to say it's from my seminary, that that's where I learned how to do this. Okay. Well, but so let me give a, let me give an example of where you and I have, have differed on, on something. So for example, um, I'm not sure how often it comes up in the lectionary, but Jesus begins to preach on the topic of divorce. Yes. Okay. And one of the most difficult sermons to write is on this topic because it has affected so many people. It's affected many people in our congregations and not just that it's affected them perhaps now and before, but also their interactions with the church before has sometimes been painful as the church has reacted to what, uh, what is the ministry or the place of a divorced person in the life of the church. Right. And so for me, I'm like, well, the text is there. I'm just going to lean into it, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I'm going to try to be as pastoral as I can, but I'm going I'm to try to break down the the passage as best I can and, and try to produce something that makes you think, but also gives peace, affirms God's love, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and in certain cases, you have decided that you don't want to preach on that text. Well, in certain uh, congregations. So, um, yeah, yeah. In San Diego, I had uh, the youngest congregation in the diocese, um, and we are right near the South Gate for Camp Pendleton, which is um, one of the largest Marine Corps facilities uh, in the country. I'm sorry, it is the largest in the country. It's one of the largest in the world. 
Um, so we had a lot of young and folks who were thinking about getting married and others who had just recently gotten married. Um, there is one particular way, there are many approaches, but there, the approach I took to that particular passage in that particular congregation is different than the congregation that I have now um, right. with the, um, uh, with our average age and with, um, uh, with the divorce rate that we have, uh, that, and that every single family in my congregation, hundred percent have been affected by a divorce in the family, yeah. um, whether first or second party, right? That it's, mm-hmm. um, and so instead of beginning their new lives and beginning marriage and, and finding a place that can talk about, uh, ground on which to stand and then to grow, uh, I am now in a congregation that has tell me about the ground I have already walked on and the oven unevenness of it. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that comes, I, well, I don't know. Um, so with authority, uh, it, it always comes down to context and who we are, um, in, in which community are we um, in? Does that make sense? And, 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 I, and I bring this up not to, uh, to shame or, or, or contradict or anything, but that it's the authority is something that we are conscious of in the church because um, one of the reasons I love the lectionary is that it's possible to go to churches that don't use a lectionary and they don't sometimes end up talking about the difficult topics. No. They sometimes don't end up talking about the difficult readings of, of scripture. And in our tradition, in the Episcopal tradition, we are immersed in scripture throughout the service, specifically though in the liturgy of the word. And um, I'm, I'm, I forget, and I apologize, I forget which um, psalm it is, but there's a psalm where um, they, usually the lectionary will, or the readers will kind of leave out that last line, and it's talking about the sorrow that the Israelites felt as they were taken yeah. to Babylon. Yeah, yeah. You know, by the rivers right. of Babylon, we sat down and wept. And at the end, it talks about smashing children's heads. Right. And, and I rem- and I purposefully preached on that because it was an opportunity to preach on anger mm-hmm. and hurt. And, and so I guess, you know, for, for me, my, my approach is to try to lean into it, um, to have some of those difficult conversations. But I mean, if we're preaching, we're always going to have difficult conversations. We are, but that's also part of the authority that has been uh, entrusted to us is that we need to know our congregations, uh, where they are in their life of faith, uh, where the scripture is, and to start putting those bridges together. Um, the uh, Psalm uh, 111, which we have this particular Sunday, uh, verse mm-hmm. 10, begins with, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And mm-hmm. I know of people who have been raised in a Roman Catholic school tradition where nuns pounded that into them um, in not the way that I think the script, the, that particular piece of scripture yeah. was intended to be heard. No, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It wasn't the nuns that, that did it to me when I was in the, in the Roman Catholic tradition and attending parochial school, yeah. but I had to unlearn what it meant to have fear of the Lord. Right, right. I had to unlearn. So, you know, so perhaps really going back to the, the, the scripture readings for this Sunday, if you're getting ready to preach or you're contemplating these scriptures, we look to the authority of Jesus. We look to the authority of, of God. We look to the authority of people in our community who have leadership. And a good question to ask is where does that authority come from? 
Um, if I think of Christ as authority comes because he is not just Lord of all, but I think of his sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know, um, the ransom he has paid for me. If I think of the authority of God the Father, I think of the authority of my creator. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, it's it's good to have these questions about authority because that's one of the reasons I love the Episcopal tradition. We get yeah. to question some things and we get to have different um, approaches. So I'm still convinced, though, that if you were to come to my parish on a Sunday or to Father Dave's parish on a Sunday, you'd probably get something similar, even though there'd be two kind of different ideas. Yes. Um, if I can circle back to Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear mm-hmm. of the Lord, uh, fear is incorrectly translated in English. Can mm-hmm. I just say Correct. it? Um, oh, yes. That the, the Hebrew word that they're using um, would have to combine respect and obey. There is no word in English that can take respect and obey and put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm going to get really critical here. Um, so if you don't mind, Alex, uh, I Go think ahead. it is a lazy English translation that gives power to clergy or to those in authority by using the word fear instead of going deeper into what the word means. Um, the phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In my opinion, from what I understand with Hebrew is the better translation is this. It is wise to respect and obey the Lord. Those who act accordingly have good understanding. The Lord's praise endures forever. Um, that yes. That is the, I think the, the better rendition or the better. Um, and, <clears throat> but and then it, it comes down to authority of who am I to say, because I'm not a Hebrew scholar, um, you know, that how do we, how do we do that? And then we also have this thing called tradition that Alex and I are, are wrapped up in. And uh, for us, scripture and tradition and reason all roll in together. And, um, and so what I'm doing, what you can say from people from my seminary are doing are jettisoning some of our tradition in order mm-hmm. to strive for these type of things and that they say that we're wrong. Right. And, and I think that's where the diversity within our tradition also presents itself, um, where you were trained, where you were prepared. And people who even work together in the same parish can have different ideas and experiences of, of this authority. I, I think, you know, just go back to finish the thought about um, what you said with the Hebrew translation. I think that helps a great deal for somebody to see God not as an adversary, but as somebody who accompanies us. Yes. Um, and a person who has authority can accompany us. In fact, we look for people with authority who will walk alongside of us and mentor us and, and care for us and love us, especially if we're talking about parents and honoring your father and your mother. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of bring our, our time to a close here today, I'm, I'm thankful that you and I were able to have that part of the conversation because there are going to be different approaches to certain liturgical or other aspects of practice between us. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that, A, you and I both don't have authority within the church. Right. And B, it doesn't mean that people aren't getting something out of it. Yeah. Um, so last week, you and I had this great conversation about how we are not interchangeable, um, mm-hmm. that we are different people, uh, we are unique. Um, and, and the same goes for our congregations. Uh, congregations mm-hmm. are not interchangeable. Uh, they are, they're, they're beautiful and loving and amazing and diverse for each one. And each one has like, uh, in, in business, we used to talk about company culture and each yep. company has a particular culture to it. 
Uh, and Absolutely. Uh, those that have been in the Air Force or in the Navy or the Army, uh, you know that there is a culture that goes with each one of those. Um, and I didn't mention the Marines because they're a part of the Navy. And you're going to get a lot of hate mail now, and you need to be ready See? for that. I waited. <laughs> and there goes the show. Okay. And there um, we so, go. Yes. So, um, so I am, I am thankful, Dave, uh, for you, and that you exercise authority in the church, and I, and I uh, respect it and look to it, and um, I hope that we can continue to have these kinds of conversations in the future. Well, it's it's uh, it's very important stuff, and for those that are interested in what we're talking about. Uh, you can feel free to contact us, uh, email us, send us a message, however that works. Ask questions, uh, mm -hmm. challenge us. That would be great uh, that we would love to hear uh, what you're thinking and how uh, you're balancing on that. And for those, I'm not going to mention names, but there are some clergy who listen to this to come up with their sermon on Sunday. Um, we didn't give you one this time, folks. <laughs> so, or maybe we did. I think we did. I think we did. I think we did, especially talking about how the, all the thread is authority. I think we did. We, we okay. earned it this week. Yeah. Right. If anything, somebody might just decide to preach on verse 10 of uh, Psalm 111. Um, what is wrong with mean? that? And feel free to, to, to then jump into verse 5 about he gives food to those who fear him. Again, fear, not a right translation. So, um, And if you think fear is the right translation, write us. Let us know. It would be great to hear what you have to say. All right. So, Dave, I think uh, it's safe to say we'll catch everybody in the next one, and we'll look forward to maybe getting some feedback on some of those sermons this week. That that would be fantastic. But, Alex, it's always a pleasure. Very much enjoy your, uh, your time and your energy and your presence. Uh, and thank you for all that you do and being my you friend. You as well. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. God bless. Catch you in the next one.